Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. We ain't done with trigger warning. We ain't done. Oh, I got, I got to have, bring some excitement to the room today. We got to be excited. And, you know, something that was coming to my mind, like, you know, it's easy to come to church on a Sunday and get back into the routine. A year ago, you wouldn't even be in this room. So are you excited to be in the house of God today? I want to welcome everybody tuning in on YouTube via our stream, our family in Washington, Texas, uh, Colorado, Florida, all around the world. We thank you. We love you. Excited for you joining us here today. Um, can you do us a favor? Uh, favor? Uh, Pastor Eddie, he got a cold. Okay, now I know some of you guys don't know what a cold is. A cold <laughs> was the thing you got before COVID. So he uh, has a cold right now. So we want to keep him in prayer uh, as he's recovering from that. Uh, also, my, my kids too, they got like the mocos and stuff running around. So I want to keep them in prayer. Um, oh man, it's been such a great year already. And we're already in May. It's May. I cannot believe the summer's like right around the corner. And usually around this time of year, I'd be nervous because, you know, like my kids be about to get out of school. You got to deal with them all summer. But they've been home for a year. Like, I mean, just used to them now. But we got some amazing things getting ready to kick off this summer. Nightlife coming up this next Friday. And the momentum in nightlife has been amazing. Our, our high schoolers and our young adults have been like just so on fire and going deeper. So much so, they decided they wanted to up nightlife to twice a month now. Come on. So all my young people here, your high school, college age, we want you to be there. We got a very special nightlife coming to you this com- upcoming Friday with our very own worship leader, Nick Huerta. He's going to be ministering. So I know it's going to be super fire. And then we got Mother's Day. Where my mom's at in the house? Where are your mom's at? Hey, we love you guys. We love you guys so much. And we can't wait to honor you. I can't wait to hear from the mother of the house, Pastor Roxanne. She always brings it. She always like, no, I don't. She always brings it every single time. And I wish she would preach more because she always brings something amazing. I'm just thrilled. I'm thrilled to be in the house of God today. I'm thrilled to be able to continue uh, going into this discussion on trigger warning and bringing unity back into the body. All right, let's jump back into it. I'm going to pick right up where we left off. I just want to review this real quick. Here, this was the prayer that Jesus had for the church prior to going to the cross. Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Everybody say unity. Good. Then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. It is through our unity as the church that the world will know that it was God who sent him. The church should not be at war within itself. We should not have this competing thing between churches. Our church is better than that church. This church is better than this church. 
Don't listen to that pastor. Listen to this one. This one's good. That one's bad. That should not be going on within the body. Because if the church is divided amongst itself, who can anyone trust to listen to? Unity is established through what we say and our actions. Essentially, unity is established by our individual character. How we build our unity within our homes. How our unity is established within our relationships, friendships, family. This is how the foundation of unity is established. And we know that our Western culture has placed a focus on division and manipulated diversity. See, God likes us to be different. He created us with all these differences, but to be able to share in our similarities and enjoy our differences. But what culture has done is like, let's take what's different about each other and now be at war with one another because of these differences. Whether it's you're from this side of the country or that side of the country, whether your skin complexion is this color or that color, whether you're from that continent or this one, whether you agree with this opinion or this one, let's build up as many different divisions as possible. And this is how I know all these divisions are the work of the enemy because this is not the work of God. And so us as the church cannot allow ourselves to become susceptible to the divisions that the world tries to create. Starting with we have to stop being so easily triggered. How many of you guys have fun with last week's trigger test? How many of you guys were mad at me looking for me after service, ready to fight? That's your opinion, okay. <laughs> I thought it was a good time. I thought it was so much fun. I wanna do it again. Can we do it again? Let's go right to the trigger test, let's go. Bring up the first picture. This was a real poll. This was a real thing where people went and voted. And everybody in this room is upset right now. I used to mess with my wife all the time. She's like, what's your favorite Mexican restaurant? I'm like, Taco Bell. And here's why, though. Here's why I used to say that. Not because Taco Bell is good. It's because at 2 o'clock in the morning, when I only had $3 in my pocket, Taco Bell was there for me. It always has something available. I know what it's going to do to my stomach, but it was there for me. But this is somebody's, a lot of people's apparently opinion when it came to Mexican food, which we all know it's not their fault. They are lost and they need to be prayed for. Amen. Next picture. Somebody about to get mad at me. I'm going to walk over here. See, see, listen, let's relax, relax, relax. First of all, let me explain something. This has got nothing to do with Stevie Wonder. I am not attacking anybody with a seeing disability. But these guys down here, see, like, I, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity hater. Like, it's just, I'm not just a Raider hater, just them too. But the thing with the, with the Cowboys, most people, we wouldn't even care about the Cowboys. It's the fans that make us hate the Cowboys. Because the fans still think they're a good team. For 25 years, you've been thinking it's a good team. Ain't nobody mad. You ain't won nothing in 25 years. <laughs> it's okay. They're not America's team. 
Woo! I knew, I knew it. I knew I could poke the bear. I knew it. I'm just messing with you. Relax. Next picture. How you feel? Eh, we don't like him. Here's the truth. I hated Tom Brady for so long because he beat my team so many times. And I got tired of seeing him win. But something I saw this past season with him winning this last Super Bowl was like, I can't hate greatness. This guy is the GOAT for quarterbacks in the NFL, point blank period. He got a hand and another one full of rings. So you can be mad about it, you can be in your feelings, but the reality is, he got seven. That's too many. But man, like I watch people like, he sucks, he's this, he's that. He doesn't suck. The man's in his 40s and won another Super Bowl on a whole other team. Be real with yourself. See, this is how we start fixing what's inside of us first, is be real with yourself. Be real that the Cowboys suck. It's okay, just, just be real about it. It's okay. I went through a whole like 10 year span with the Lakers being trash. And I get to enjoy this time again. But it's okay, be honest with yourself. Next picture, having some fun, just having some fun, keeping it light. This was fun. I watched, I put this up because I got to watch people fight about something that's not real. And it cracks me up. It cracks me up to watch debates about things that are not real. Who will win? And then people get like so descriptive and start putting the history and their powers and the lore and everything. I'm like, you invested a whole two hours because, you know, you can see every single time they post. And you can see how long of a discussion this was. I'm like, you invested that much time into something that's not even real. Ooh, calm yourself. Let's start getting a little bit heavy, though. I, I, we got to get heavy. What's some real triggers? Next picture. Now, I know some of you guys may not know who this man is. That's Senator Ted Cruz. Senator Ted Cruz has been in the news very heavily this year. Likes to run his mouth a lot. Likes to say certain things that just are things leaders should not say. But us as the church, us being the body of believers, should not get so attached to what these kinds of leaders have to say. They are human beings. They are lost. They are broken. They are attached to their egos and their ideologies and how they want to run things. We cannot allow that to determine who we are as followers of Christ. Next picture, a little bit heavy. Next one, next one. Dang, y'all don't like this lady. Like this service and the next service. This is Nancy Pelosi. And the things that people say about her, I'm like, man, if that was my mom, I'd be fighting somebody. Now listen, I don't agree with her views on most things. I don't see things the way that she sees them. But I'm not going to change my character to be able to present my ideas to other people just so I can feel right within myself. Because what I have to say is not going to her. It's not like I'm sitting down having a discussion with her and seeing why you think what you think and what can we navigate. No, I'm just venting. Then I'm venting to people who I don't know, who I'm not building a relationship with, who now have a perception of me, and the moment they see me in the light of a pastor, now they're going to have an idea about me, and not only about me, but of the church as a whole. And sometimes we don't think about how far the ripples go out when we're ready to throw stones into the water. 
And if we took the time to think about it, we would be more reserved in what we had to say. Just because you have an opinion, it doesn't mean you have to share it. Next picture. Let's get heavy. Back to blue. Now, this used to be called back to blue, back to blue. And then somebody started calling it Blue Lives Matter. Because they knew it would affect people who were supporting Black Lives Matter. And what they did was very crafty because now you have to choose a side. Are you Blue Lives Matter or are you Black Lives Matter? And the church took the bait, hook, line, and sinker. Instead of not choosing a side and aligning themselves with the word of God, we started to divide ourselves and judge people based on what sticker they had on their car, what image they posted to their social media. I will always support law enforcement. I will always support law enforcement. Why? Because I understand the role that they took on. I understand the sacrifices that they have to make. I understand the dangers of the job. I understand how stressful it is because I've been in those shoes. But at the same time, I support them. I'm also going to hold them accountable when they do something wrong. There's a way to do both. It's when you honor the word of God first that I don't have to pick an opinion and be blinded when somebody does something evil. But I'm not going to allow culture to force me to divide. Next picture. Let's go really deep. You guys remember this? It wasn't that long ago. This is where most of the tension started to begin all over again. And what's funny about it is he was, Colin Kaepernick for the first few weeks was just sitting during the national anthem. And nobody even knew. Nobody even knew this was going on until one producer somewhere and one camera team somewhere put all the focus on him. And they said, you should be mad about this. You should be upset about this. Then it became an outcry. Why isn't he standing during the national anthem? Why this? Why that? I'm just angry. Kick him out of the country. Kick him out of the league. All this stuff, it just went berserk so fast. And so he went and got with a service member because a lot of people felt it was disrespect to the service people, which it had nothing to do with service members whatsoever. But if we would have asked the question first before speaking out, you probably would have knew that. But he did. He took the honor and respect, went and talked to service members, said, what should I do because I want to protest about this. They said, why don't you kneel? Because kneeling is a show of honor in most circumstances, Yes. But that wasn't good enough. People still angry. People still mad. And then people were mad that people were mad. And it just turned into massive fights all over somebody exercising their First Amendment right. See, the thing is, you cannot just agree with the Constitution when it suits you. Either you love it or you don't. The First Amendment is just not for your opinion, but it's for the totality. And that's how I looked at it as a service member, as somebody who actually went and put their life on the line in defense of the Constitution. I respect his decision to do this. And if this isn't okay as a form of protest, then what is? This is the most peaceful of a protest you're going to get. It gets no more peaceful. I'm kneeling, kneeling, and it's getting us that angry. Disrespect to the flag. Here's the truth. All of us, when the national anthem come home, come on at home, you're sitting down. You are eating chips. You like, oh, she tearing that song up, ain't she? 
You know, that, that's what we're critiquing the performance of the anthem. Every time the national anthem plays, I always go back and see comments like, oh, that national anthem sucks. Like, you, can, you, you don't care anything about it, but you allow yourself to be triggered because somebody told you you should be mad. We got to stop doing that, especially within the church. Let's go a little bit deeper. Who's that? Who is it? You can speak, speak. Jesus. Is it? Because this has become a topic of debate now. That's not Jesus. That's white Jesus. That's European Jesus. That's French Jesus. That's Catholic Jesus. There are some churches that will fight you if you say that's not Jesus. And there are a lot of people who will fight you because they say it is Jesus. What difference does it make? Were you there? Do you really know what he looked like or didn't look like? Is it possible? Who knows? I don't know. I wasn't there. If you grew up like me, then you had this picture probably in your house somewhere. Next one. Look, are you from South Central or from Inglewood? This is like on every corner. This was the Jesus that you knew. So, I can't grow none. They ain't coming back. I'm going to get beard dreads. But then people will argue over this. That's not Jesus. Yes, it is. No, it's not. And it becomes a fight for what? You weren't there. You don't know what he would have looked like. And then people try to pick out little things here and there. Jesus was black and Jesus was white. Jesus was not either. If you look at the Bible, if you see where he's from, he's a Nazarene. That's not white nor black. Hate to break it to you. Next picture. Is this Jesus? Everybody like, ooh, hush over the crowd. Let me tell you where this picture came from. This was an AI program that took the metrics and the demographics of that time, and this is the render that the system just came up with. This is what a first century Jewish man born in that region who was a carpenter may have looked like. That could be Jesus. You look like Jesus. <laughs> Christian definitely looks like Jesus. My thoughts are Jesus was swole. Jesus was in the gym. He was a carpenter. He was like getting it in. I, I'm tired of people putting skinny Jesus up there. I know Jesus was in the gym. But here's the truth. It doesn't matter. These are the trivial things that has become inside the church and begun to divide the church. Things like this. What did Jesus look like? Does the Bible tell us worry about what Jesus looked like? Is there anywhere in there like you should be concerned with my appearance? Because if you look like me, then I die for you and those who look like me. And if you get that answer right, then you get into heaven because you know what I look like. But we place so much focus on it. We place so much focus on all these trivial things that do not have any significance in the eyes of God. Our church, we like to do prehab before rehab. So the things I'm going to get into today are not necessarily things that you personally have experienced yet. But as the church continues down this path, and I consistently keep seeing more and more divisive behavior begin to happen within the church, it is something that you may encounter. And we want to prepare ourselves for how to respond before we're in the midst of the situation. 
Because in the midst of the divisiveness developed by social problems, the church has also been dealing with divisiveness when it comes to doctrines and practices and styles and subcultures and attire and just anything and everything they could find to divide a church. Like I know people right now, they saw me up here preaching, are upset about it. Look what he's wearing. Look how he's talking. That pastor got tattoos showing and he's in a hoodie and he's got ripped jeans and he's in sneakers. Where's his suit at? That ain't church. It ain't church. They got lights up in there. That ain't church. Why, why the band so loud? That ain't church. Where the choir at? Shut up. <laughs> You're worrying about things that don't matter. And even our church, like we, we can look at other churches and be like, oh, that church is boring. That church ain't got nothing going on. Are they sharing the word and the love of God? Is their church producing fruit? That's what I'm concerned about. I'm not worried about the style and what it looks like. Are they preaching the truth of God in love? And are they producing fruit and building disciples that will lead to the world being changed? That's what I'm concerned about because that's what God is concerned about. Because the reality is, if I was to go back and do it like the first church was doing it, I'd have just snatched my bed sheet off my bed, wrapped myself in here, threw on some Jerusalem cruiser sandals, and came in here like, hey, what's up, guys? You know, we out here. You know, we actually wouldn't even be in the building. We would have been outside. I've been throwing loaves of bread at people like, what's up? Share the testimony. That's how church was. If you read the book of Acts, that's what it was. They went, gathered people. They went house to house. In the Jerusalem sandals, my JC ones, and that's how they got done. But we get so caught up in all these paradigms and styles, and here's the reality. The way we do church now, it'll change again. But what doesn't change, the word of God. That will never change. Now, I understand fully completely. There are those people who speak falsely, who will try to alter the word of God, who will manipulate the word of God for the pursuit of numbers, because they see that as growing the church. And that's wrong. There are false teachers out there who will manipulate the word for their own monetary gain or for their own selfish ambitions on how they interpret those things. And these are situations that I see people going after but they're approaching it with a very secular and even profane type of mindset. They're not approaching these leaders and these people in humility, with gentle concern, with an actual desire to see the church healthy. They're approaching them in arrogance, in ego, for the sake to be right, not righteous. Because if my focus is on building unity, I'm focused on restoring the person and not destroying them. I'm focused on destroying the works of the devil and not the individual. Does that make sense? Here's what Paul taught to Timothy when he would face these circumstances. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. He told Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myth. James chapter 4 verse 11 said this, says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. You do not have to highlight an individual in order to preach the truth. 
If I take any pastor, any leader, or any church, and I make them the highlight of my point and not the word of God, I'm doing it wrong. Because when I preach the word of God, people should see Jesus. People should see redemption. People should see restoration. People should see love. People should see grace. People should see mercy if I preach the word first. I don't have to go after people. Because when I do that, it's more a reflection of myself than what that individual is doing. And again, I'm putting this thought in your mind because it's become more and more popular to go after people. And people start designating themselves as God's righteous warrior. Listen, God don't need you to do that. He doesn't need you to be the one to point out every single person who's doing something wrong. He needs you to preach the gospel. If God needed you to do that, the Great Commission would have said that. The Great Commission would have said, go out into the world and find everybody who's false preaching. And bring them before judgment. But that's not what it says, is it? It says go out and preach the gospel, making disciples of everyone. If God thought it was so important for us to ridicule and slander, he would have said that was the greatest commandment. Not love your brother as you love yourself. we got to understand the heart of God. Because when our hearts desire to unify the body, our approach to dismantling the works of the enemy will be much more tactful and graceful. Amen? Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Um, you know, I'm going to pick up in verse 7. And it says this. It says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the people for works of service. So the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach, what's that word? Come on, everybody say it together. Till we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined together, held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, when you develop a pattern of hunting down things that you're in disagreement with, it creates a spirit of rebellion inside of you. And the moment you bring that into your Christian walk, where you have that rebellious spirit, you will now push away the good teaching, the righteous teaching, the true teaching from pastors, apostles, prophets, and evangelists. You will reject that because your ears are now tuned to look for what you disagree with. So when correction comes and when a rebuke comes, you don't disagree with it, so you push it away. And essentially what happens is you become your own pastor. 
You become your own prophet. You become your own teacher. You become your own evangelist. So the only person that you trust in regards to the word and in regards to your walk in faith is yourself. This is why we should not develop this pattern and this habit to where we're looking for every single little thing we can find and attack it. Because we're not focused on the way that God really wants to use us. We're caught up on our own deceitful desires and we're not maturing. Because now you've taken the church and made it a self-centered church. The Bible teaches that you will know them by their fruit. You get it. You will know them by their fruit. And what I see from a lot of these heretic hunters, no fruit. I see most of them, they're just online, they're in their mama's basement or somewhere. And all they are is just full of anger and full of rage. A lot of them come from church hurt. And that stuff just manifests inside of them. And they never deal with that hurt or that pain that they've gone through. And now they take it upon themselves that it's their mission to go after everything and anything that reminds them a little bit about the hurt that they experience. But are they producing fruit? And again, the reason I bring these things up is we want to prepare you before you experience it. Because it will rub you the right way and then you're all of a sudden find yourself, you're not listening to your pastors anymore. You're not listening to your life group leaders anymore. You're not listening to those who really care about you and are pouring something good into you anymore because you've tuned yourself in a way to be defensive in every regard. And this is a dangerous place because when you become defensive, it can easily transition into divisiveness. Because now when you have an issue, you won't talk to your leader about the issue. You'll talk about the leader behind their back. Can you believe what Pastor Max said up there? I cannot believe he talked about the Cowboys. I can't stand him. I ain't going to that church no more. Whatever. Forget him. Raiders are the best team. Period. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And just all this stuff gets inside of your head because you get triggered by things that we say. As I asked you last week, do you trust the leadership here at Restoration Life? Know that we love you. Know that we want to see you grow. Know that we want to see you thrive into your fullness. And that comes sometimes with us looking and helping you with your life in ways that you may not like. I played sports for many years. I always had to do stuff I hated. Max, you need to get faster. You're going to run sprints. As a matter of fact, offseason, I want you to be on the track team. I hate running. Hate it, but I knew it would make me faster. It was good for me. Hey, listen, you're going to go out for this uh, in the military, and you got to get better, so you're going to spend time ruck marching three times a week instead of once a week. I hated ruck marching, but it was better for me. It would make me stronger. Understand, sometimes we're going to tell you to do something because it's good for you, and we want to see you grow. You may not like it, but if you really want to grow, you will heed the instruction. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. It says, but Jesus knew their thoughts and he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Jesus said this after he healed a man who was possessed and the Pharisees criticized the way he did it. Think about that. I can't believe you delivered that man from some demons. You should have did it like this. You used your left hand. You should have used your right hand. You didn't use the right kind of oil. You're supposed to do five chants. You did six. Whatever the case may be on how he went about delivering him, it's just they got focused on the wrong thing. 
And sometimes we could come into church and have that same attitude. Why are they playing worship like that? They should have did five songs. They only did three songs. I don't like it when they do that. Why do you dim down the lights? I need to be able to see the people. I don't like that. They should do it like this. How come, how come pastor preaching without a hand mic? He got a head mic. He think he a celebrity now? I don't like that at all. Like we're focused on the wrong thing. Instead of focusing on the miracle that just happened in front of them, the person that got delivered, they focus on how it gets done. This is what I talked about that happens in the family, right? In the house, you're focused on how your husband cleans instead of the house being clean. You're focused on how things get done and how the raising happens instead of the fact that, hey, my wife is present with the kids. She loves our kids. Great. We can get so caught up on the things that don't matter. Instead of acknowledging the miracle that's happening right in front of us, that we're being delivered, that we're being restored, that we're being renewed. As I said last week, we cannot allow our actions and behavior to be influenced by culture. Culture has made it okay for us to attack people we don't know. Where if you see a celebrity do something, you can just go after them. Whatever. You can say anything you want about anybody. Who cares? It's just Kim Kardashian. You don't know her. You can talk about her. You know, I think it really started like with sports because if you look at every time an athlete does something slightly wrong, everybody got everything to say about what the athlete did. Knowing dang well, you can't even get close to dunking a basketball. (laughs) But you got something to say. Then they transitioned into politics, then into law enforcement, then into laws and amendments and anything and everything we could talk about, we find ourselves criticizing and attacking people over And then what happens is it floods into the church where you feel it's okay to go after a pastor. You feel it's okay to go after a leader. You feel it's okay to go after a church or a denomination or how they do things. As I said, there is a method to correcting false doctrine. There is a method in the rebuke, but it's how you do the rebuke that's going to demonstrate what's inside of your heart. See, because if I'm going online and I'm just ranting and raving about what this person is doing and this person is saying, is the person who I want to speak to even hearing the words that I'm saying? No. Just a lot of other people are. And again, that's a reflection of what's inside my heart and not what the individual is doing. But even on a deeper level, if I'm going to rebuke somebody, I want to have a relationship with that person. See, because a rebuke should be something personal. I should know you on a deep level. I should be able to understand where this is coming from and be able to address it in a healthy way that's not going to destroy the individual but see the individual restored. A rebuke is a biblical thing. Paul rebuked Peter. When Peter switched up on the Gentiles in front of everybody, Paul had to address him like, yo, 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 that's not cool that you did that. But Paul didn't go to another place like, can you believe what Peter did? Can you believe what he is saying? I'm never going to listen to Peter ever again. I don't want anything to do with him whatsoever. Then go to another place or start writing letters. I can't believe how bad Peter is. He addressed Peter directly. Peter, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. And that's the kind of thing that we should be having within the church If we see something that's not right, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to bring judgment to those things to brothers and sisters in Christ. But if I don't know a pastor and what they're doing, I'm not going after them. For what? Where's the restoration in that? 
I'm going to focus on preaching the word of God. I'm more so, I'm going to focus on living the word of God and let people see the fruit through being obedient to the word of God. See, because when I do that, I don't have to go and speak against somebody else because they'll see it and they'll know the real thing. Posting comments, making videos, or having private discussions about another person in a manner that borderlines insulting or belittling a person demonstrates what's the side of our hearts. Think about that. The next time you go to spew out things from your mouth, that's a reflection of what's inside your heart. So how do we address these things? How do we ensure we keep unity within the body of Christ? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in their futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Ignorance and stupidity are not the same thing. You can fix ignorance. Can't fix stupid. Take that how you ever want to take it. <laughs> they have law, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not, I say not, the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self. The old way in which you handle things is not the way you should be doing it anymore. See, because our old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, we should be made new in the attitude of our minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. I wanna, I wanna highlight something here. Anger does not give us permission to sin. You are not licensed to take out your anger on people and sin against them. And this, what I want to address is this. Church hurt is a real thing. Where people have been hurt by someone in church. Whether it's a leader, whether it's somebody you served on team with. And for a lot of people, it becomes very difficult to maintain unity within the body after experiencing church hurt. Even if that church hurt came years ago, even from a different church. And now you find yourself here in this healthy place. But if you haven't healed from what happened before you, you can still carry that anger and that frustration inside of you to now you'll attend church, but you won't be part of the church because you're worried about getting hurt again. You won't let your guard down and let the Holy Spirit bring healing and you're walking in a broken vessel. But the problem with being a broken vessel, if you just try to put it back together yourself, 
you know, there's all these cracks in it and there's holes in it and really not every single piece is back where it belongs. So when I try to pour something into it, it's going to leak. And with too much pressure, it'll just break again. See, but if you take a vessel that has been broken and you bring it back into the fire and you melt it back down, and you allow it to be reshaped all over again and renewed all over again and then fully restored, it can be used for an even greater purpose. So the problem is a lot of us are walking in here broken where we're carrying so much anger and we live an angry life. Some of you guys, you woke up angry today. You were mad before breakfast. You don't even know why. Then you get over to Starbucks and Starbucks slightly messes up your order, add a little bit too much milk and too much caramel. Yeah, you're insulting the Starbucks employees. That's why you're being replaced by machines. Whatever, I don't need, like you just walk around angry and you're negative about everything that happens. Why is the worship so loud? They ain't gotta move the lights around like that. Uh, how come ain't no more new merch in the place? Uh, you're just angry and you don't know where it's coming from. But we gotta be able to get that out of us. You know what, what in, what's, what's crazy about anger, what'll make us even more angry is the one who hurt us and the one who made us angry, they moved on with life and they're doing good and they're thriving and we're still mad. Like they should be feeling what I'm feeling. And it just builds up even more and our heart gets hardened and it gets darker inside of there and we can't, be used by God in the way that he wants to use us. We have to be able to address the anger and the hurt that had happened to us. You cannot control what hurts you. You cannot control when somebody does something and it hurts you. Something I learned as I matured into an adult, because for a long part of my life, as a young adult, I carry a lot of anger and frustration and just nastiness inside of me because of everything I experienced growing up as a kid. Dealing with the abuse that I went through, losing my mom to breast cancer at 10 years old. My dad was an alcoholic and a drug addict and abused me. I was exposed to sexual trauma. Um, and then carrying all this leading into the military, then I was exposed to trauma like I would never imagine in my life and now I got anger and hatred towards people who took the lives of my brothers and sisters overseas and then after restoring my relationship with my father he dies and I'm just living life angry and while I was in the military I can feel funnel that anger into the work that I was doing but that wasn't healthy that wasn't good that made me very dangerous and at any time I could blow up and put somebody at risk who didn't deserve it. And it wasn't until after I came back from war and the world went quiet that I realized that that anger was still inside me. The war had ended for me, but the anger was still there. And now that anger was starting to spill out on other people and starting to affect them. And the scariest part about anger is after you've been angry for so long and the rage has settled down and kind of found its way into our spirit, we find ourselves in a place of despair. But now you're just tired. You're tired and nothing brings you joy anymore. Nothing lights you up, you're just existing now. Okay, you're tired of being angry, you've been angry for too long. And this thing is festered inside of you. Some of us were carrying that from past hurts, things that happened in your childhood. It's not your fault that you were abused. It's not your fault that you were attacked. 
It's not your fault that somebody insulted you or belittled you, but it's your responsibility to deal with this so you can heal. But you don't have to do it on your own, church. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit is what renews us and restores us and puts us back together and makes us whole. The Holy Spirit is why I can be here today fully brand new, fully able to live this life where I don't have hatred for those people who I fought against overseas. I don't have anger inside of my heart when I see these troubling things happen through our country. All I'm looking to do is how can I bring the love of Christ to them? That's the miracle. See, sometimes I, I, I was so mad at God because I wanted the miracle to happen how I thought it should happen. God, the miracle should have been my mom is healed from cancer. God, the miracle should have been that my dad was healed from his disease. God, the miracle should have been like that never happened to me. I never was assaulted in that way. I never was molested. That should have been the miracle. And God had to reveal to me, you are the miracle right now. The fact that you're here, standing, thriving. You have a beautiful family, blessed and healed and restored. Right here in this room right now, you are the miracle. There's a miracle waiting to happen in your life where a refreshing and a newness can happen inside of you. But you have to make every effort to maintain unity. And how I do that is by having the Holy Spirit inside of me, guiding me, leading me, helping me make my decisions. I'm not doing it on my own will. I'm not seeking it out how I think it should be fit. I'm not going off of my feelings. I'm not letting culture decide for it. I'm letting God speak to me by the advocate and Holy Spirit. He sent to me and gave me for the time. every head bowed and every eye closed because I, I want this to be personal. If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor Max, I, I experienced church hurt in my life and I'm still carrying some of that pain. And maybe it's not even church hurt. Maybe you experienced pain in your life from your childhood, from your adolescence that you haven't let go of. And that pain has gotten inside of you and caused anger. And now you find yourself even beyond anger where you're just tired. And you're like, I'm, I'm just done. I'm done. And you're, you're going through despair now. If that's you in this place right now, I want you, just as I'm talking right now, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to come down to this altar. I want to pray with you. See, because you're not supposed to be carrying those things. And I want to see you come into unity in the body. That's for anybody here. You've been carrying anger with you around. You've been carrying hurt with you around. It could be from your childhood, somebody who abused you. You can have anger towards God because of how things played out in your life. And you're, you're just frustrated. You can't overcome it. You can't move past it to be used the way God wants you to. If that's you, I want you to be bold enough to say, I'm ready to get my healing. I don't want to stay in the space anymore where I'm not used. If that's you right now, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to come down to this altar so that I can pray with you. Because the Holy Spirit says, I want to remove that from you. I want to set you free from that. I want to see you renewed. I want to see you restored. I want to see you brought back into unity. I want to show you how I can work through your life. I want to show you how I can mend you. I want to show you that you are a true miracle. I want to show you. Come, 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 come. This is the day. This is the day we choose to get this off of us. We choose to, I'm not going to allow the enemy to have this on me anymore. I'm not going to allow the enemy to control my thoughts and keep me pushed away and isolated anymore. Today I am claiming victory in the name of Jesus. Today I'm restored in the name of Jesus. Today I'm renewed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Father, have your way in this place. Jesus, come down.